This is the Few Podcast Football Every Week. I'm Ryan Curley, joined by my partner, as always, Jackson Strickland. We got some NFL Combine talk for you and an exclusive interview with the number one wide receiver prospect of the 2021 class, Emeka Agbuka, all coming up later. But for now, Jackson, how have you been? It's been a pretty good week so far. I mean, it's only Tuesday. The sun came out for about 10 minutes earlier. A, uh, a big contrast to what we've had in Athens for like two months now. Oh my gosh, it's rained so much. You know, I'm my shoes smell weird. Like I can smell my shoes right now. Can you smell my I shoes? Wanna, I don't want to try to smell your shoes. <laughs> it's like from the rain, and it's just yeah, it's. I gross. feel like your shoes always smell though, because that's just you. Oh yeah, it's a personal <laughs> attack. <laughs> Not the worst food I've ever smelled, but uh, yeah, it's it's the weather's been terrible. Um. Three more days, though, of Athens, and then we're spring break a- out of here for a week or indefinitely, actually, right? <laughs> we'll see. Big, okay. uh, big outbreak we have coming into the U.S. The coronavirus. Not gonna talk your ears off with that too much, but uh, we might get some school canceled. We'll see how that goes. Um, yeah, the weather's just crazy. It's different. Like today, I'm wearing shorts and a t-shirt. Right? It's kind of warm, but it rained this morning, and then it's sunny. Like Saturday, I was in Atlanta for the for the trials, right? The I covered the Olympic trial marathon run in uh, Atlanta, and it was forty something degrees and nineteen mile per hour winds. And I'm not a guy that gets cold very easily, but I'm sitting there with my hands in my pockets, and I got three layers on, and I thought the wind was gonna blow me over into the track. And uh, so, what was your time for the marathon? How'd you do? Um, well, I actually PR'd at like two oh one um thirty seven, so of course you didn't break two. Who has broken two? <laughs> Is there any there's yeah, gotta be someone not, out there. Like seen the article about me yet? Oh yeah. yeah. Well an hour, sorry, not 30, all of us an hour thirty seven. Not all of us did hurdles in high school. <laughs> so <laughs> probably no one else listening to this did hurdles yeah. in high school. And if you did, let me know because uh we can bring you on the show sometimes talk about hurdles you know who probably did do hurdles in high school are a lot of the nfl prospects who played college football this past season uh the combine was this week so uh, this weekend it was a little a little different yeah you know, starting on and Thursday. it was prime time too it's it's usually during the day right and, and they, so apparently that well, didn't go over well with a lot of people they really? liked the old format better the scouts did they didn't like it being at night i um, know some of the announcers were we're saying just how weird it was, but also, like, they didn't say anything negative or positive. They just said how different it's, like... But, I mean, sometimes things got to change. Everything I've read so far, there hasn't been any positive thing about it being... <laughs> so, I think they'll probably end up going back to the old the old format. Um, and the new drills didn't go over super well with everyone either. So, we'll see. So According 2020 to some was GM. just a great year for the 2020 combine. has been a... a, a not a great year for, for a lot of reasons so far, but we're not going to get too far into that. Uh, I think, you know, the biggest storyline heading into the Combine was Henry Ruggs, right? Like, that's what for you sure. saw. Well, so, I mean, when you have the potential top, like, top two picks, like, obviously not working out. Um, and Burrow and Chase Young, uh, you got to find something interesting. And some of the, you know, first rounders are going to be like linemen and stuff, which aren't they're not boring to watch, but they're not quite as fun to watch as um, the Henry Ruggs himself um, coming in there trying to b- break the record. Just I, mean, I think you could ago. argue that all three of them are awesome to watch. What Did you, you just say that Chase Young and no, I mean just like just like speed linebackers, yeah. linemen, like yeah, 
you know, not as fun to watch as much as, you know, wide receivers or quarterbacks. Yeah. People definitely paid the most attention to quarterbacks, I think. Yeah. Um, when you have the top two basically cemented in Burrow and Tua. I, don't, number, I wouldn't say cemented, man. I don't know. I don't, that number three spot is just just where it gets me. I think Tua is up there. Number three quarterback two. or number three draft pick? Quarterback. Both, really. Both, but, really, sure. But quarterback, uh, for sure. Um, I mean, Herbert obviously performed really well. Uh, and he's, he's got the prototypical size and strength right. and everything. He already had that. The only negative thing I heard from, about him from the announcers was his personality. The fact that he was just kind of introverted. Um, and I don't know. I mean, if he's a great athlete, I think that even in an NFL locker room with a bunch of grown men coming in there and his, you know, he's like, what, 21, 22 you're, probably. Yeah. You're the quarterback. You need to come in and take the lead and everything. Yeah. And if he's super introverted, that might not go over well with a lot of coaches. Right. And uh, a lot of players might not follow you. His, his like private interviews with teams might've, uh, given the, the coach and the GM that kind of a uh, feel, I guess. Uh, yeah. To see if he was fit to lead a team, obviously he did okay with Oregon, and um, he did well. He did great yeah. with Oregon, so yeah. <laughs> he had a great career at Oregon, and they won the Rose Bowl this year. So that's a great accomplishment. Um, he, when I was watching, the, obviously we watched a lot of it together. Um, he was clearly the out of all the quarterbacks working out. In my opinion, he was clearly the best one. I think Jordan Love got a lot of love. Uh, no pun intended, um, from the combine. I know Love went in there like, leading the nation at interceptions. Um, I think he had like 16 or 17. Uh, a lot of the linebackers, actually, that intercepted him were at the uh, combine as well, which I thought was kind of funny. Um, but just the fact that he went in there with kind of uh, not the best stats, Jordan Love, and then performed really well, um, didn't throw any picks. As far as I'm uh, concerned, but uh, <laughs> leading the FBS in interception this past season—that's a big deal, you know. Um, a lot of people will shy away from a turnover-prone quarterback because that's not something you necessarily can just fix overnight. You know, that's that's reads, that's um, it's not sloppiness. Ju- yeah, it's not just accuracy; it's also football IQ and yeah. everything. And so, know, like, I think knowing, the most- knowing a defense and how they're attacking you and how they're covering your receivers. I mean, if Love couldn't couldn't handle that in college, it's going to get even worse for him. Um, obviously, in the NFL. So the most recent example of a quarterback who is very turnover prone getting picked in the top five that I can remember was Sam Darnold in the. What would that be now? Was that the 2018 draft? I believe so. Yeah, so with the the draft with Baker Mayfield and Josh Rosen and Lamar Jackson, um, you know, Sam Donald was very turnover prone. Yeah, yeah, not too bad. Uh, a couple of Heisman winners, uh, a Rose Bowl champion, you know, Josh Rosen, <laughs> Josh <laughs> Allen, who actually turned out to be the second best one of the crew. So, um, so far, you know, it's funny. Uh, Everyone's wrong about players sometimes, and sometimes you're right about prospects. Um, but <laughs> I'll tear myself down a little bit real quick. When during that draft process and everything, you know, like I'm not always right. You know, like I mean, you know, sometimes I'll say like, okay, that guy's gonna be really good, and then he ends up being really good. You're not always right. I'm, I'm not always right. I just want a soundbite of that. Can someone clip that and just? My name is Ryan Curley, and I will admit 
that sometimes I am wrong. Sometimes or most of the time? Sometimes. <laughs> well, I think the... Continue. So the, I thought the, that Josh Rosen was going to end up being the best quarterback out of this class. <laughs> And he is the worst one was, so far. I was going to say, how's Rosen doing today? He is, you check up on him often? He is about to get replaced by someone who hasn't even been drafted yet. So, because he's currently on the Dolphins. Um, he got replaced by Ryan Fitzpatrick this season. Who knows? I, mean, I still think he has a lot of intangibles. Uh, if he ends up getting traded or in free agency in some right situation, you never know what could happen. But so far, I've been very wrong. I really was high on Josh Rosen coming out of UCLA. I did not think Lamar Jackson was going to be MVP level. Um, I just thought he was better than Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield, and and um, jo- um, Sam Darnold. So, yeah, I was very wrong there. Someone I was very right on, I want to put out there, and no, this is not on the record anywhere, because it was like, what, like six years ago. It was a basketball example. I just got to throw this out there. I predicted that Giannis Antetokounmpo would be a superstar one day. When he was drafted, and now he is the best player on planet Earth. I just want to put it out there. I just want to – the record is now that I've said that. No, I did not tweet it. No, I did not post it. I said it to probably my little brother. But I have believed in him, and that is my best prediction so far. Back to you. <laughs> Back to you, Tiffany, in sports. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for going off on that tangent. Um, Worth it. So you're talking about being right or wrong. Who do you – who oh, out, right. out, out of the combine do you think is going to – Like, what's a, what's a prediction you got there? Just A prediction from the combine? So in a year from now, we can go back and be like, oh, God, oh, how wrong were you? Like, oh. a, like a player I think is going to be really – like have a great rookie season? Yeah. Or like, like a draft prediction? Whatever you want, go for it, dude. Just – um. I think that Justin Jefferson might have slipped into the first round. Before, I personally viewed him as a second or third round receiver. Um, I can see see him slipping into the first round, with, but the only issue I have with that is there's a lot of offensive linemen, there's a lot of quarterbacks that pushes a lot of players back. Like, There's no reason that Jerry Judy is not going to be a top 10 pick. In any other draft, Jerry Judy and CeeDee Lamb are both top 10 picks. But if you look at all these mock drafts, neither of them are in the top 10. And months ago they were. They were in the top five. So they're all being mocked in the teens now. And um, that's because of position needs. And, you know, it's not really performance and skill. It's more position needs. So um, I think it's very – I think for me personally, Justin Jefferson is now my fourth favorite receiver. When before he was maybe six, seven, or eight, um, if I had to rank them. So I have him very close with Henry Ruggs, actually. Very close behind Henry Ruggs. Um, Who obviously had a pretty astounding yeah. combine uh, this year. Yeah. So I, I mean, I personally have Judy one, Lamb two, Ruggs three, and then Jefferson rose a lot for me. He's a close fourth. Okay. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing your uh, mock draft. And, uh, oh yeah. Okay. So I I just told Jackson before Amber told I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna make a, a pre NFL free agency mock draft, and then I'll probably end up doing a post free agency mock draft to see how much they change, 
um, and just have more than one one prediction. So we'll see how that goes. It's probably going to take me a while to come up with that, especially there's a lot of moving pieces in this draft and a lot of like unprecedented things, all the injuries and like, oh, well, now all of a sudden the Redskins are talking about drafting a quarterback when everyone had them locked in on Chase Young. So I don't think that the top five teams are going to – I don't think that's the real draft order. I think there's going to be trades. I don't want to predict trades, though. I don't like doing that in a mock draft. You can't predict who's going to trade with who. I mean, you can – you can, but, like, it's just not... You can predict, but you, you can't can predict, get them all right. Yeah, though. you can't. If you predict trades, like, which team's going to trade up? You know what I mean? You don't know that. I, I would say, like, do it your best on the team's the team order now and just focus more on the player itself. The player yeah. himself. I, I, I will say this. Uh, do not be super, super surprised if a team like the Atlanta Falcons trades up in the top five to take a player like Chase Young. I think that's something that's very possible. Um, don't know if they have the assets to do it. Um, I was talking with my roommate, and you were in the room earlier. We were talking about an example. It was the Falcons' example. Um, how they they just traded so many picks for to trade up to get Julio, and it worked out. I think so, if they were to do that again, it would be. Like a first and second round pick this year, and, then and like, like a, first a bunch round, of late uh, like a first pound first round pick next year. Oh, they one hundred percent have to swap their first rounder from this year. Yeah. That would that like would be this def- year and next year with like a this year rounder. next year and then a couple other things maybe maybe throwing a player. But um, the interesting thing to me that he said about this was, um, you know, when the Falcons did that, he was mad. You know, he's a big Falcons, and he was mad because talking about your roommates still yeah. by the way. He was mad because they gave up so much, right? And you don't know if Willie's going to be great or not. Yeah, For me, I was excited. It's a big risk. It's but, a big gamble on one guy. And that, he was talking about who you trade with is important, right? Because like they trade, he was like, what if that was to the Patriots and you gave them all those assets? They would use it. But no, it was to the Browns. You know, so I look at a team like the, worked out I look the at a team like the Falcons who needs an edge rusher. Uh, edge rusher you know, the, the Panthers could use a, a good defensive lineman. Um, I think they'll end up getting one at seven. But teams like that, they could trade with a team like the Redskins that's not going to be competitive for years. They're years away from being competitive. So that's interesting to me. I don't. I think there's going to be some trades. I don't see the Lions sticking at three. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't see them. I think they're going to trade down. Well, we'll see in a month and a half about. Is it around? When it's, it's always happens? April 20-something. Yeah. I, think, I want to say it's the 24th this about year. About a month and a half from here. Right after a bunch of the spring games. Uh, oh, yeah. I can't wait for that. Those times have mostly been announced by every school. Um, if you all are following that at all. We know Georgia that we'll be at, obviously, uh, April 18th, 2 p.m. It'll be sharing, uh, like, SEC Network with Bama and Florida and and maybe a couple others um, at the time. Thank you, Syria, for finding that for us. <laughs> But, um, yeah, and then Clemson will be, like, a week or two before that. Um, funny thing is LSU, like, they're redoing their turf at their stadium. So I don't know if you heard, but they, uh, like, don't get to have their spring game in Tiger Stadium. That's so weird. It's, because I think it's, like, it's... a noon kickoff for that, and it's at Southern University. And these, are the, these are the reigning national champions. And they're like, <laughs> yeah, we're just going to redo our turf, like, right now when we have a spring game coming up. I don't know how long all that stuff takes to complete and set in and everything afterwards, but they've already announced it'll be at Southern University 
on some like random field that we've never heard of. If there was one stadium that I'd want my spring game to be in if I'm out of school, it would be Tiger Stadium at night. You know, that'd be because that what if they did their spring game at night? Which I know I love Georgia the, flirted with that idea. Yeah, it'd be not. I think like Arkansas is doing theirs at night. That's what so I heard. Cool. What I heard is that like. You know, it costs so much money for the lights, and since G-Day is free, or spring games in general are usually free, that, like, schools like Georgia wouldn't do that because it costs so much money. But when we're spending, like, two and a half mil on recruiting in one cycle, and, like, the game's free, I don't know, it's, like, charge $5 for every seat, and it's first come, first serve, and just like it is now, and then spend that money on the lights and do a night game. I think people would be willing to spend $5. Exactly. Like, who isn't going to – if you're not willing to spend $5 on a team, don't go watch them. I mean (laughs) – You're not going to enjoy it for free any more than you enjoy it for 5 bucks. Like, There's definitely going to be a lot of interesting storylines coming with with the spring games coming through. Especially, I think one that almost everyone's going to be watching is Georgia. That's a big-time one because of all the quarterback – Well, with Jamie Newman and then, like, just the entire offense is just – been switched up and not just Jamie Newman. I mean Carson Beck coming in, and then Dewan Mathis is cleared to play. And um, I'll actually be a media member that day, so I'll get to slight flex, slight yeah, subtle subtle brag. Uh, what shameless plug? What is shameless it? Shameless plug. Yeah, yeah so true. I'll uh, be a media member at the at G Day um, if the coronavirus hasn't taken over, <laughs> and I'll actually probably get to talk to a few players. No idea who. Uh, it just kind of depends. So I'll be able to bring in a little bit of different insight about that so definitely the main storyline is the new offense though for sure um not a lot of turnover on defense i know not even just well, georgia though but like just all the quarterbacks coming in like the sec quarterback rankings are some of the most fun things to look at because everyone has a different ranking because this is like a considered a weak quarterback year because like when you lose from to a um burrow maybe burrow maybe <laughs> i no, was I'm getting like, to it that's what i'm, like, I'm adding getting, him and like maybe he's i was getting to it you know when you lose three guys like that that were you know stars at some point you yeah. know Fromm was a staple in the sec for the last he, three years he, I mean, he took us to the national yeah so he, he was there at one point. and uh you know Tulo can probably consider the best alabama quarterback ever all that kind of stuff and he was a heisman finalist last year so you lose those guys you know who's at the top you got Bo Nix is up there, but is he the top one? I don't know. Jamie Newman's never played SEC football before, so we don't really know how he's going to be. Um, you got a top freshman like a Harrison Bailey who's probably going to take over the Tennessee job. So I think that's all very interesting. Um, Felipe Franks is at Arkansas now. Watch him. You know, you never know. That might that he could flourish there. Yeah, that happens a lot with. I don't transfers. know by spring game if he'll be able to adapt that quickly with new coach, new. Yeah. Um, you know, Sam Pittman there and a new quarterback in that system. We're like, just still developing the system since it's so early. But uh, definitely by the fall, that's when everyone's going to have their eyes on SEC quarterbacks. Um, yeah. Um, I want to talk about the combine a little bit more, just kind of a winner-loser standpoint. Um, who who stood out to you the most, like, just performance-wise, maybe, like, two or three guys that you really thought per- helped? Performance-wise performance- or helped their draft stock? But like both, tie that in together. Like, well, I mean, performance-wise alone, obviously, like Simmons and Ruggs got. Isaiah I Simmons think Isaiah Simmons from Clemson and Henry Ruggs, obviously, I think got the most publicity out of the combine, um, because that's fair. That's yeah, fair. Like the most articles written about him, the most retweets on anything, like that kind of stuff, um, which obviously helps. But then you also got like Werfs, you got 
uh, Chase Claypool coming yeah. in there, who were already predicted, you know, maybe first or second round uh, for either of them. Um, but they definitely didn't lose this past weekend. They they helped themselves out. They performed extremely well. Um, we posted a bunch of that stuff on the Twitter, which is brand new, by the way. Shameless plug. Oh, yeah. Again, if you're not following the Twitter, it's the same handle as Instagram. It's the few podcasts. Pretty simple, pretty easy to remember. Um, but we'll be a little bit more active on there than Instagram just because that's how Twitter more is. A, more of know, an update kind of deal. Yeah. I mean, Interesting things throughout the day. Yeah, especially like getting into the season uh, this fall. It will definitely be used a lot more when the season comes. Right now it's just kind of – it's a little dry, but it'll get there. Yeah, just show some support, uh, show some love, and we'll see what happens with the Twitter. Anyways, getting back into um, – like I was saying, Simmons just performed extremely well, um, faster than a lot of people thought. He ran his first 40, and he said, oh, that was enough. Didn't didn't run his second 40, which was very smart. Um, someone that, that did run his second 40 and could be considered uh, one of the losers from the combine was Lloyd Cushenberry, Cushenberry from LSU. He got injured in his uh, second attempt. It looked like he tore something. He was iced up right after. Um, so I don't know. I, I tweeted actually, actually right after that and said that not everyone should have to run the 40. Like they were talking about that on like the announcers as well, commentators and saying that like with Lyman, like they're not, when are they going to run 40 yards? Exactly. Like exactly. if they, if they don't have them after 20, they're not going to get them. Really, if they don't have them after 10, they're not going to catch up to whoever it is. Maybe a 20 yard dash should, should be a thing. Um, for a position group like yeah, that. Yeah, for a position group. I mean, obviously you don't have, like, you don't have running backs throwing the ball, so why should you have linemen, ru- like, running that much? I don't know. That was just, like, a little opinion thing I had um, that no one at, like, in the NFL is ever going to hear my opinion, so hopefully they hear someone else that says that. I'll have that submitted to the league offices by Monday morning. Uh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. It's Tuesday now, so why are you waiting so long, though? <laughs> I need a few days to write a report <laughs> and get all the evidence. <laughs> <laughs> the evidence. How many players have been... Okay, no yeah, um, How about I you, think, I, I, think, didn't, um, I didn't exactly answer your question, but a little who, do bit. You think, who do you think it helped their draft stock the most? Just that one. Um, I think a guy like Tristan Wirfs rose up the first round board a lot. Great combine performance. Um, Insane athlete. Just yeah. if you look at some of the stuff. Like ESPN, I'm pretty sure, posted... Or maybe it was NFL posted a video of him doing uh, just a couple of athletic things throughout high school and college. <laughs> the videos that they had of him. I mentioned earlier Justin Jefferson. Um, he ran a four four three, which was a lot faster than I thought he'd be, and did well in the drills. I think he, yeah, I think he really helped himself. He might have shot himself up into the first round. Um, I think that. Swift probably cemented himself as the number one back. I don't think anyone else kind of overtook him, so he's probably a winner from that. Jonathan Taylor, I'm just kind of throwing a lot of guys out there that that help only help themselves. Jonathan Taylor was the fastest running back in the at the combine, and I don't think anyone thought that was gonna happen. No, I don't I mean, think we both that. thought mid four five, right? Yeah, and he ran I, a four three nine. I wasn't thinking any of the big names would be the fastest. Like I said, I think I said uh, Cam Akers actually. Who, he was do, top two or three. Yeah, anyway. didn't do bad at all. I was pretty good on that. He I was, was a big name at one point in time, and oh for sure, he's ro- then, and he rose up boards. But then when you have people like Clyde Edwards-Helaire, and then you have DeAndre Swift that you know started to shine after uh, after Chubb and Michelle left. You know, then Akers starts going down a little bit, and these other 
players from uh, relevant teams. Am I allowed to say that? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Florida State's irrelevant, and um, so. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they were kind of irrelevant this year. Yeah. Um, and then someone, I think Joe Burrow's a winner from the Combine. I, he, he didn't have to work out, you know, just talk to teams, and nothing changed that he's probably going to be the first pick overall. I he think also, that that's a big win for him. He also, like, subtly, very maturely called out the media, which I thought that was great because they kept asking him. They were, like, basically they were rewording it. But they were saying, are you going to pull an Eli? Yeah. <laughs> Which is what everyone's been saying the past couple of weeks. Like, oh, like, he and can just, you know, not – he can be, like, drafted first overall and then just not play for them. And, and, and even if he in. does have those intentions, he's not going to say that. Well, he's he, not gonna... he said no to it very well. He said that, like, one of his best friends that he played with in high school, I think, um, is a huge Bengals fan, so he'll be very excited if he gets drafted there. Like, his friend will. He said – Word for word, basically, like wherever I go, I'm gonna I'm gonna play. Like I'm gonna be their man. Um, someone said, "Well, you're from Ohio, so like how like how much would it mean to you to like be able to play in Cincy?" He's like, "Oh, that's like huge for me." He's like, "I could I could be home f- by dinner after practice." <laughs> he said that, and I was like, "Man, he's like obviously he's put some thought into this because he's a mature, like older guy than most of the guys there at the combine." Um, but he's not just saying, like, oh, like, where do I want to try to get traded? Or, like, how do I want to, like, move down a couple spots or something? I don't know. He's not <laughs> He's not going to give up his uh, whatever team drafts him. You know? No. He's going to stick with it. So I think he won with his interviews. And, of course, the fact that he didn't have to work out because he played for two or three weeks longer than everyone else. Um, and then – you know, you rest and celebrate the national championship for a week after that, went and met Trump and all that kind of stuff. So he didn't have as much time to work out and prepare yeah. for this um, as, say, you know, Justin Herbert. So I think um, I think the whole interview process is very interesting with this. And there were a couple other interviews I want to talk about that were eye-opening to me. Um, not, not winners. How? How would they not be winners? Well, I'm, Both of the ones that we were talking about before? Marlon Davidson? I think that oh okay so oh, I, yeah. I don't know if that's a winner for him to be honest dude <laughs> okay like, so get this so Marlon Davidson uh kind of the Robin to Derek Brown's Batman should I say <laughs> yeah okay um great player in his own right he's a, he was a star at Auburn for four years three or four years yeah and, please please just share what yeah. you said though <laughs> he, so someone one of the reporters were kind of talking to him and he goes. What I love most about the game is that I can literally go out there and hit a man con- consistently and pound him, and the police won't come. That is really the best moment about ball, is to go out there and really abuse somebody, and they won't say nothing about it in the press or anything. It ain't on no headlines, no handcuffs, no mug shots, no nothing. I'm out here just physically abusing a man. Input. Uh, um, yeah. So, loser from the combine, any quarterback who has to face Marlon Davidson over the next few years in the NFL, because look out, he wants to physically abuse you. <laughs> just even drafting them on your team is just scary. Well, some some coaches might look at that as having an aggressive presence on the team that could help a defensive line. Oh yeah, aggressive for sure, but in the right way. <laughs> Can you? You control it. I mean, that's kind of brings me back to Zach Evans. He's a talent, though. Obviously, Zach Evans has talent, but like, who wants to like try to control him? I don't know. Marlon Marlon Davidson. I don't think he's 
a bad guy, from what I've heard, from what I've seen, I guess. I haven't seen any, like, terrible headlines about him until <laughs> speculation from this statement at the Combine interviews. Um, but, yeah, he he did really well uh, throughout his career, and I think he's going to go uh, pretty early, obviously, in the draft. Yeah, and, uh, you know... Another interview that I thought was interesting, and this is not, this just made me love the player more. Already one of my two or three favorite players in this draft, and I've said this over and over and over again, is Jeff Okuda, the corner from Ohio State. He's a stud. He's going to be a star. That is a prediction I really hope holds up. Okay, here, here we go. Here's my prediction. Jeff Okuda is an all-pro NFL player within the next two or three years. That is my prediction. Do you think he's going to be, like, the best talent? Out of this combine? Out of this draft, Like the I mean. best player out of this draft? Like in 10 years when you look back, it's like, oh, yeah. Like he out was the a Hall of Famer draft, kind of. Out of the 2020 draft, like that was the one that they should have got. Or like that team. I'm not going to say that right now. No? But I will say I think he will be all pro within the next two or three years. That is my prediction. Okay. Anyway, so take that. some reporter, and it kind of sounded like a young guy, maybe some sort of student interners. I don't know who he was. But this reporter... <laughs> I'm trying to find the audio clip. It was on my phone, but this reporter is like, "Yeah, you, uh, you, you know, you. How are you going to deal with being sloppy? You know, with all the, all the well, penalties he, and stuff he, like that." Well, he said, "How are you? Like, how are you going to like deal with being sloppy?" And, and Okuda yeah. said, "Slop, sloppy in what way?" Yeah, sloppy like, in how? what way? And the reporter kind of fumbled a little bit. He's like, "You know, with the like the the penalties and stuff like that." And then Okuda goes, "You know, I had zero pass interferences, zero holdings." Why don't you cut on the tape and maybe maybe you'll find something different? And yeah. I was like, man, <laughs> Jeff Okuda, that was a mature way to shut the reporter down. Um, that reporter probably did not raise their hand the rest of the day. No, probably not. Um, good response. Uh, I think he intercepted that question very well. <laughs> the ball hockey is. That's hilarious. Thank you, Ryan. For it, was good. it was good. It um, was Jeff Okuda, you're going to be a stud. And, you know, speaking of interviews, we, uh, of course, as we mentioned earlier, we uh, got to speak with Emeka Egbuka. He's the number one wide receiver prospect in the 2021 high school recruiting class. He's the number nine overall prospect. Um, Got to chat with him for a little while and just about the recruiting process and a little bit about the combine and everything. So here's our interview with him. This is uh, Ryan Curley and Jackson Strickland with a few podcasts. Yeah, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Uh, so just uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. What's going on with you today? Uh, today, um, just, you know, had class, got some homework done, got lunch, and, uh, you know, now I'm just – I have training later. That's, what kind of training you got going on? Uh, like personal training, weightlifting. Yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah, so you're you're a five star prospect. You know you're listed at six one one ninety. Um, if you guys are listening, this is Emeka Buka, the number one wide receiver prospect in the twenty twenty one class, and uh, really excited to talk to him for a few minutes. So, uh, you know, why don't you just tell us about your journey? You know, I know you played multi sports, but uh, growing up and everything, how'd you get into football? Uh, yeah, so I played three sports growing up football, basketball, baseball. Um, basketball was my first, then baseball and football. I started in second grade, and I played all three up until my sophomore year when I stopped basketball. 
Um, I still play football and baseball. And um, eighth grade year was starting was when I started to really see separation from other kids in my age group. And um, I uh, joined Air Football Academy. And, uh, you know, I've been with my head coach, Reggie Jones, for a while and my receivers coach, uh, Courtney Taylor. And they kind of helped me, you know, um, you know, perfect my craft and stuff. And um, I ended up getting my first college scholarship when I was uh, my, in my freshman year. And then, you know, I've just been taking off ever since. And who was your first offer? Florida State. Gotcha. Yeah, obviously air football has uh, has really helped you get some exposure out there. I know you just had a, a great tournament. And uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, yeah, pylon tournament's fun every year. And um, I just really wanted to go out this year, uh, my last year there, and kind of show out. And um, ended up, you know, getting the uh, Alpha Dog MVP honors and, you know, had fun while doing it. It was a blast out there. Um, it's a great tournament every year, and I'm just uh, happy I was able to be a part of it. Yeah, and is that a, you know, I'm sure, what other kind of recruits did, were you with um, during that tournament, other big names that were there? Yeah, I was there was a bunch of guys that you guys had compete against and with. Yeah, for sure. I was uh, mostly hanging out with my team, but I was able to, you know, talk with, like, um, J.J. McCarthy, um, obviously Sam Hewer, J.T., Tua Malau out of my state, um, you know, Julian Simon, you know, mostly mostly just uh, other prospects from my state, but um, there were a couple out of state that I was able to hang out with. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, you know, Sam, you were going to, uh, to Washington, obviously, and, and you're from there. And, and I know they're recruiting you pretty hard. How much does uh, having a guy in state and you guys work out together, how much does that influence your decision? Um, it's always it's always good to know you have someone to throw you the ball, whatever school you're going to. And I know Sam is definitely someone who can do that. Um, but you know we have a we have a good relationship, and he's been recruiting me hard. So I mean, we'll just have to see where it takes us. <laughs> yeah, we were going to ask you how much uh, other players, you know, kind of nag on you to go to certain schools. And of course, like the high school guys are like, "Hey, come join me." Are there any uh, are there any guys that are already in college that have reached out to you and said, "Hey, like come play for us." Um, a little bit of, uh, G Scott, um, Elijah Higgins at Stanford, uh, Keely Ringo at Georgia. Um, let's see. Savelle Smalls, uh, for UW. Um, there's, there's probably, I know there's more, but that's all I'm thinking of right now. Yeah. I know Georgia just offered you the other day, uh, how hard have they been recruiting you? I know they're they're kind of new in your recruitment. Yeah, um, I haven't had much contact with them um, up until yesterday, but or maybe it was the day before. But um, you know, starting to talk with Coach Hankton a little more, the new OC, Coach Munkin, and um, you know, kind of just feeling them out and getting to know them a little better. Yeah, I just want to obviously congratulate you on that uh, that offer, and then multiple others, of course, and just talk with us a little bit through. Uh, some of your top schools. We know you just put out your top ten, and uh, just wondering how you narrowed down that list already. Um, I haven't like uh, made anything official, narrowed it down, and you know made it public. But um, I'm starting to look at the schools that are recruiting me a lot more, and the ones that I have more interest in. And um, you know, uh, schools that have definitely been like on my heels the most are uh, UW, Ohio State, Clemson, Oklahoma, Stanford, Oregon. And LSU, I'd say. Yeah. So, uh, I 
and obviously you're from Washington. Did you grow up a, a Husky fan? Is that uh, something that you take into account? Um, I didn't really grow up a fan of uh, okay. one school in particular, but um, my grandpa is UW alum, so um, definitely there's Husky blood in my family. That's good to hear. What about uh, what about pro teams? Do you, you know, I'm sure you're a football fan. Is, is there any like pro teams that you've always watched? Uh, yeah, I've always been a fan of the Seahawks. Yeah, you know, and then you know, just kind of tell us about about your game. You know, what separates you as a as a football player, a prospect, and a person on the field, off the field? You know, what makes Emeka Buka unique? Um. I try to be the most versatile player I can, you know. Um, I don't feel like – I feel like I'm a receiver, but um, I also just feel like I'm a football player and you can put me um, almost anywhere on the field and I'm going to, you know, produce. Um, I like to think that I have good ball skills and um, I've been told that I have really good body control in the air. So those are things I pride myself on. But um, I think what separates me a little bit is like the mental aspect of the game because – um, you know, I'm always taking mental reps and, like, studying my position and trying to perfect my craft, uh, not just on the field, but, you know, in my mind. And kind of I want to gain all the knowledge I can about the game of football. So, And I love I love learning about it. So um, I'd say that's what that kind of makes up me. Yeah, it's so obvious watching your tape just to see that your football IQ is, is so high, especially for someone of your age and um, especially when you're playing defense and you can just read the – quarterback I know you've got a couple pick sixes this year and uh, I think eight total interceptions uh throughout yeah. your, your season so that's obviously something that colleges are going to look at and see oh he's not just a wide receiver he's such a versatile player um you can be an athlete all over the field so uh, I definitely agree with you there um with the uniqueness you've got for sure yeah and, uh, I mean you see you've seen uh guys throughout the past play on both sides of the ball is that something you know, you've talked about with coaches that are recruiting you about potentially playing both sides, or are you being recruited solely as a wide receiver? Um, I've uh, I've mostly been recruited as a wide receiver, but, you know, I'm also close with a lot of the, um, you know, defensive position coaches, like corner coaches and stuff like that. And, you know, they say, um, you know, they have no problem if I were to come on the defensive side of the ball, you know, if I were to go there. So, uh, a lot of the a lot of my offers are kind of uh mostly for receiver and that's what I'm focusing on mainly but um you know schools uh would would also like me to play defensive yeah so yeah how much does your defensive experience in playing corner and everything help you as a wide receiver um well I've been a corner ever since I was in 6th grade uh that was my main position until you know 8th grade when I started playing receiver and it's just um you know, knowing how a corner thinks and being able to, you know, attack leverages and uh, run your routes, um, knowing what the corner's thinking and, you know, getting them to uh, getting inside their mind, kind of knowing uh, how to play the game on the offensive side of the ball. So um, I say it's definitely really helpful. Yeah. Uh, so you're uh... – we were looking up, you know, just some information about you watching your highlights, and I saw a pro comp that had you uh, compared to, to Juju Smith-Schuster. But honestly, you know, I was watching, I didn't really agree with that. You know, and I'm sure you want to be your own player, but, like, are there any wide receivers, you know, past, present football players that you've looked up to? Um, I, I definitely try to um, 
you know, take bits and pieces for some, from some of the greatest out there um, and, you know, some of the – what they do the best. So um, I definitely want to try to be my own player. But as far as, you know, mentality-wise, when the ball is in the air, kind of want to model yourself after someone like, you know, DeAndre Hopkins. You know, if the ball is in the air, it's his. He's never going to drop a pass. Um, kind of, you know, uh, taking the route running ability of, you know, some of the better route runners in the NFL. Um and kind of just uh, extending the play after you catch the ball, like uh, Odell and people like that. So, I mean, there's definitely bits and pieces that I take from others' games to try to, uh, you know, um, make mine better. But overall, I want to be my own player. Yeah, have you been able to work with any uh, professionals or, or collegiate receivers to help you work on your game and be able to, like, pick their brains? Have you had the chance to do that? Yeah, I mean, when I go on visits and stuff, I'm in the film room with a lot of, you know, collegiate receivers. Had the chance to talk with Jerry Judy and, uh, you know, people like that. But um, my uh, my receivers coach, Courtney Taylor, uh, record-breaking br- uh, receiver at Auburn University, he's kind of, you know, taught me a lot of what I know. And um, he's definitely uh, been really influential in helping me grow as a player. Hey, a little, a little off topic, but you mentioned Jerry Judy. I'm just kind of curious, you know, the draft uh... – process going on obviously the combine's on right now I don't know how much you're paying attention to it but uh you know there's a lot of argument about about Judy and Lamb you know a lot of different things you know who are you picking as the first receiver out of this draft um I think both are really great players and I don't think you can go wrong anywhere but um Jerry Judy is definitely um he's he's grown a lot over the years and kind of perfected his craft and um you know he's a player who can get loose in space and stuff like that and CD um, he just had a really productive year overall, you know, catching the ball, scoring touchdowns, making plays after the catch. And um, I've seen him grow a lot as well because I've been watching them both, you know, since they were in high school and stuff. So I'm excited to see who gets picked first. But um, if I was an NFL scout, man, you can't really go wrong. Whoever's on the board, you just take them. Yeah, I think there's a lot of talent at receiver um, this year. And I, especially with the years coming up, there's, lots of great receivers in college, and obviously that extends to you and your class. Um, you know, ideally, you know, in the future and obviously now, what kind of quarterback do you want throwing you the football? You know, and obviously you mentioned how Sam's great and you guys have a good relationship, you know, but it could be like collegiate, pro, anybody. You know, ideal. who's the perfect quarterback for you? Um, perfect quarterback. Someone who can just get it out there. Honestly, if they're if uh, we've established trust and we have uh, you know good chemistry, um, I don't think you can really go wrong. No matter if they're a pro style or dual threat, um, but you know having a good quarterback is something that I'm definitely looking for in uh, my recruitment. And uh, you know once I once I know who's going to be throwing me the rock, I'm going to do all I can to you know create a relationship with them and get to know them and their style of play. I know one school that you're looking at, and I heard that you haven't had the chance to visit yet, is Oklahoma. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, Oklahoma and how, obviously, they've produced some great quarterbacks, some Heisman winners in the past couple of years, and how that may sway you to go there? Yeah, for sure. They uh, definitely have produced a lot of great quarterbacks. I don't think they have a quarterback in my class committed right now, but um, obviously, last year, they got Spencer Rattler. I'm not sure who they got in the 2020 class, but... Um, they uh they have produced a lot of receivers as well, yeah. and I have a a great a great relationship with the receiver coach and uh, you know Coach Riley. So I definitely want to go over there and check them out because you know 
Um, they've uh, spent a lot of time and energy on me just coming to see me and visit me in Washington. So um, I think it's only right I get out there and see what the place has to offer. Yeah, they, they've had a lot of great players. And, and you mentioned the receiver too. Obviously, CeeDee Lamb's the most recent, but they've had, you know, D.D. Westbrook, Sterling Shepard, and they have a big prospect in, in Jaden Hazelwood on that roster now. Um, but, yeah, no, originally in the 2021 class, they did have Brock Vandegrift. He was committed there. Yeah. He, he's now going to Georgia. Yeah. Um, you know, how much do you take that that kind of thing into account, you know, during your recruitment? Like a decommitment? Yes, you know, like a decommitment from other players. How much does that uh, kind of weigh on your decision? I'm sure, Obviously, it's your own decision, but how much do you take that into account? Yeah, um, for for other uh, players' decommitments, I don't really take that much into my own recruitment because, uh, you know, I think it's a personal uh, choice and, um, you know, one's reason to decommit doesn't really um, directly affect you. I think um, you just go to the place that uh, fits you personally. Yeah. Um, honestly, I think we don't have that much more for you, but you said you're still playing baseball? Yeah, I am. So that season's starting now, right? Yeah, it starts Monday. starts Monday. You know, uh, a lot of guys, once they have their sport, they kind of just focus on that one. You know, kind of what goes into your decision to keep playing baseball at the same time? Um, I think I think all sports uh, translate in some sense. And, uh, you know, they help uh, – baseball helps me with, you know, my hand-eye coordination, especially catching the ball considering I play center field, you know, um, having looser hips and stuff like that and being able – you know, to just run and track down balls. So, um, but it's it's going to be uh, probably my last season since I'm looking to early enroll. So, um, you know, just playing the one of the games I love for one more season. Have you uh, been recruited as a baseball player at all? Uh, yeah, I have a little bit. And, you know, I've had opportunities to play in front of some, like, White Sox and Red Sox scouts. But um, I'm not sure if it's looking for something – if I'm looking – at it as something to do, you know, in college as a dual sport athlete because, you know, that can be a lot on your plate. But, you know, nothing's for sure. I've definitely had some schools tell me that I'd have the opportunity to play both, so still weighing out my options. That's really cool to hear. Obviously, that reminds us a little bit about Kyler Murray, you know, so successful in both of those sports and um, just talking about how he can translate uh, the sports just as you're mentioning. So that's that's really cool to hear. Yep, no doubt. So if you had to quit football right now, would baseball be your second choice? Yeah, it definitely would. I know you mentioned you played basketball too. Yeah, I used to play basketball, but um, you know, uh, I was kind of playing for uh, all three school teams and then three club teams at the same time. So there's just you know a lot of my play, and um, I was seeing the most success in baseball and football. So you know, I decided to drop basketball. Sometimes I play it here and there, you know. Uh, pick up ball with you know my friends and stuff like that but I don't really take basketball too seriously gotcha gotcha well dude we just want to thank you so much for coming on and uh and talking with us for a little bit letting us pick your mind um we wish you the best of luck the rest of your recruitment process and we hope to be in touch a little bit and um good luck with your last baseball season enjoy that yeah and good luck with your uh with your training later tonight and just in the future you know, we hope it all goes well for you, and we'll know you. We'll pick the right school for you. We hope to keep in touch. Good luck, man. Thanks for I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it was really good to talk to a, a Mecca. Um, 
seems like a very bright young man and obviously a talented football player. You know, we go look him up and watch his highlights if if you have never heard of him. Oh, we'll link his highlights yeah. somewhere on the Twitter or something. Yeah. But insane. Yeah. Uh, I love watching him actually play corner more than wide receiver. And his highlight reel, though, like you'll see his his first video, his first clip is just a one-handed touchdown catch in the state playoffs. Yeah. Just <laughs> really subtle. But, no, when he plays corner, like – he can just read the quarterback's eyes so well, which I think I mentioned. Um, and he just runs straight at the line and intercepts it, just takes it. Um, so he's got multiple pick sixes on the season. You know, as we talked about him with that, that helps him as a wide receiver, kind of knowing how a corner thinks. You know, that can help him beat out other corners when he's playing on the offensive side of the football. And just kind of tying this in with the combine, you know, because, you know, that's what's going on. We talked about this a lot. He runs a what did you say he ran? He runs a four four two. He runs a four four two. No, no. and you know when that was? That wasn't like this week or anything. Um that was twenty eighteen. Like spring of twenty eighteen. He was a sophomore in high school, um, likely turning sixteen that year if he hadn't already. He could have still been fifteen. You guys still want a fifteen year old. He ran a four four two forty yard dash. And you know, that he you know, I'm sure he's probably a little bit faster, a little bit stronger. I mean, oh, I'm sure. Yeah, so, he's definitely hit you know a little bit more puberty since then. He's grown yeah. more. That um, would have tied him for seventh out of all the wide receivers in this year's combine. Uh, tied with Chase Claypool, faster than Justin Jefferson, faster than Jerry Judy, faster than Tyree Cleveland, uh, C.D. Lamb, Freddie Swain, all sorts of guys. Donovan Peoples Jones. Um, so that's just a little bit of a comparison. Yeah, just to brag on Emeka yeah. a little bit. Yeah, but uh, um, obviously, you know, I think the crystal ball prediction on him is is Washington. That's his home state. You know, he mentioned, you know, he's he's friends with Sam Uard, who is the one of the top quarterback prospects for the 2021 class is already committed to Washington. So um, maybe they'll form a duo there for a couple of years. Who knows? But he's got offers from all over the place. You know, Georgia just offered him, you know. He kind of released a tentative top 10 that included teams like LSU and Oklahoma. So, I mean, we'll obviously track that along with the rest of the prospects. But uh, Washington could have themselves a, a QB wide receiver duo that'd be really deadly for a, a few years. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, obviously, uh, he's the number one wide receiver in his class. Currently, like as of Tuesday, March third i guess it is he's the number nine overall recruit um don't be surprised if you check back in on this next season like this fall during his senior season and he goes up more um that man's still just getting better and better he told us you know starting off the interview that he was uh had already worked out some and he's gonna he did a little bit of homework yeah did his homework (laughs) went to school and then he was getting ready to go work out later um Last weekend, he was at a a seven-on-seven camp in Las Vegas uh, with his team Air, which um, he's been with for some years now, and that's really developed him. But just the fact that he's willing to put the effort in. He's not someone that's just, like, extremely gifted and talented and doesn't really do anything with it and just kind of gets lucky. Like, he's out there putting the work, and that's why he's willing to play both sides of the ball um, in, like, the same game and willing to – fly out to Vegas with his team and willing to, you know, go down to Oklahoma, not because they're one of his top, you know, two or three maybe, but because they've shown a lot of interest in him and he thinks it's only right to show interest back in them. Yeah. And that's what he said. That's what he told us. 
Um, so not only is he a great kid, but he's he's just an athlete. Uh, I can't wait to to see where he ends up going, and, and probably Washington. But you know, a lot changes. Some people are cement locks somewhere, and then throughout their senior season, yeah. uh, changes up. So changes a lot. We'll see. He, uh, you know, one of his pro comps was Juju. Um, that's not a terrible comp. I reminds me a lot of Justin Jefferson, actually. In very similar forties, great route runners, good hands, ball control, body control. So, uh, I think as a recent college football example, somewhat similar and similar size to a Justin Jefferson type of player. Maybe, maybe you'll see a similar play style. But other than that, I mean, he obviously seems like a good kid. Very well spoken. Obviously, wasn't his first interview he's ever had. <laughs> oh yeah, he was. Cool, calm, and collected. I mean, yeah. he's he's been there before. Uh, we've I've watched a couple of interviews of his before uh, before we interviewed him. You know, that's just what you do. Earn up on the player, and so uh, he's he's there. You know, as a as a kid and as an athlete. Um, so, wish you the best of luck, Mecca. Yeah. Thank yeah. you so much again for for that time. Uh, that sort of wraps us up for today. But uh, as we shamelessly plugged again. Follow the Twitter; it's new. Uh, follow the Instagram if you haven't. At the few podcasts, same handle there. Obviously, we'll give you updates, um, commentary, all sorts of stuff like that. You can follow our personal Twitters and Instagrams if you want. Not gonna complain. <laughs> we won't give you the handles for those. But anyway, we'll uh, catch you guys next week. Hopefully, for a spring break episode, we'll we'll figure that all out and look out for a potential mock draft that might come out via Twitter if it's not on here or Instagram and that will, uh, thanks for listening.